should note that there was a, a humorous social media exchange in regards to the viewing of these movies, which was uh, Sarah tweeted an exchange that I, uh, she and I had, which was um, I told her that I was doing this. And I said, uh, I have to watch four, which she interpreted as you have to watch evil bomb four. And then I said, and I corrected her and said, no, I have to watch four evil bomb movies, <laughs> which, uh, which Sarah as a normal person was like, what is evil bong? And why are there more than one? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> she said to me today, uh, I was I made mention of it. She goes, please don't explain any of the lore to me. Um, Were you like, I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> I'm reading my notes now and I couldn't. <laughs> but that prompted you to to say something. Yeah, she. I think she posted like the exchange in her Instagram story and I just responded, what a fucking lightweight. I watched all <laughs> of these and the fucking connecting movies in like a two day period. <laughs> you know, my response to that is, Correct. Uh, I am a lightweight. <laughs> and also, two, that was a conscious decision on your part. <laughs> I, I don't know why. It was literally how I started the year, too. I think I was, like, off for, like, New Year's Eve, and I was, like, laying there just like, oh, well, I'll see what, like, Evil Bong one's like. And then I was like, well, might as well keep going. <laughs> uh So the the movies adopt this like triple digit uh, subtitle now because the last one, obviously 666, the devil, this one 777 because they're in Vegas. It like weirdly makes sense. It's weird that they came up with this gimmick. That's one of the few things that makes sense about this entire franchise. This movie is less than an hour and it starts off with a recap of the last film. The only and, good good thing is it's less than an hour. Yeah. So I watched Evil Bong 5 on a, on a Friday, and then I watched 6, 7, and 8 on a Saturday. At one point, thinking I actually had two more movies left to watch when I only had one, and I had a brief panic attack. At this point, I, I had to start like drinking at this point. <laughs> I was like, my brain was really starting to rot. I was hoping the alcohol would stave off some of the invasive brain fungus. The actual movie starts, like I said, five minutes after the recap and credits. So adding on closing credits, this movie's probably like 50 minutes long total, like around that. Yeah. And like, we actually go outside again. Uh, Rabbit and Sarah, Misty, EB, the evil bong, and the ginger weed man, whom Sarah's just carrying around, which I kind of love, are outside the shop when Lucy tries to also warp through the pussy portal of sexy hell starting off again with quite a sentence rabbit calls a splift for them, which is a stretch limo <laughs> and like their version of Lyft or Uber or whatever. And rabbit it's... says they're going to Vegas. <laughs> Just the fucking weed puns in these movies are so stupid, but I at least give it to Charles band to getting to splift before like Seth Rogen. 
it is a weed pun that has not been implemented by a stoner metal band yet as far as i <laughs> as far as i know but now that i've said it i'm sure somebody's gonna hear that and be like oh there's the name there's the name for our band that sounds like every other band oh well, somebody's got spliffed as a uh some sort of weed thing that you could buy maybe it's like a brand name for like cones it looks like maybe I don't know if it was before or after this, but there's somebody's already got that. Well, they do get a an entire box of spliffs handed to them from the driver, which like I was very on board with this concept. Um, <laughs> I just like how like amazed they all look, and I'm like, you have all been high for seven movies now. Yeah, like, they're why all is just some, some joints handed to you like this like amazing thing. People are baffled by the existence of drugs in this movie, and like. I have to say, like, these movies are weird because cannabis use is so much more prevalent in the mainstream, not the fucking, like, shit you had to, like, hide from your fucking parents and hide from people driving around and and do weird, shady exchanges. Like, it's legal in different states now. And the fact that these movies still treat weed with this, like, really weird weed culture weed humor weed whatever you want to call it kind of vibe or angle it's just it damages them to the point i'm like this is not what people who smoke pot like want to watch (laughs) people who smoke pot want to watch good movies like i want to watch good fun entertaining movies like these are not movies that i'm like i'm gonna get high and watch these movies it's like ah, they're just i don't know especially in like, me as a cannabis user <laughs> especially in like 2018 where i i believe it was already legal in california and they act like somebody opening a weed store is this like revolutionary thing they're doing and i'm just like there's probably 200 of these on venice where you're shooting alone yeah and it was already like the whole attitude of shit was changing by 2018 and it was also just like not a big fucking deal had been decriminalized in new york and now like obviously more than a few states are jumping on it but like it was it's just so odd to me that people still treat it like with this like weird lens of like oh it's a narcotic or oh it's a drug and it's got this like weird all this like quite frankly like incredibly like dated culture like can i tell you how many times that i've had like fucking like ridiculous panic attacks being way too high like no one has a panic attack in this movie like, if i was in this situation i got high i'd be freaking out could you imagine if you were high and then just a walking like weed cookie came in and started talking to you <laughs> or like you're just all of a sudden you like blink and you're in this odd world where there's just flying pairs of breasts <laughs> like just baffling after they smoke all of the spliffs from the driver that they gave them. And also I am not on board with the ginger weed man singing 99 bottles of weed on the wall. <laughs> uh, even Evie looks uncomfortable and she's an inanimate object. So we go back to sexy hell where Lucy and bezel bud are working on getting the ginger dead man back to life because sexy hell quote unquote kind of sucks right now. I also keep forgetting that her full name is Lucy fur. Also, again, this doesn't play out ever. Nope. Uh, The limo arrives in Vegas, and there's a pretty amazing scene of Evie sticking out of the window. And, like, imagine that's, like, what you see while driving, like, while in Vegas. Like, already a really weird fucking place. You're just walking drunk down the fucking strip, and just all of a sudden there's a fucking bong with a face hanging out a window. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know why Psycho Las Vegas didn't jump on crossover. What a wasted opportunity. <laughs> You're fucking trying to have Oliver play a show in the US again when you could just be working with Charles Band and have like a bomb with a face on it. Right. <laughs> so Rabbit says they should go see a show. And they don't go to like an Elvis impersonator show. They go to a strip club called Versnachis, which is that lady from the last movie. And apparently <laughs> it's puppets that fuck. Yeah. I have a I have a Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome of a movie called Let My Puppets Come that is literally just puppet porn. <laughs> you know, I was about I, I made a comment about like what happens later on is like pretty depraved, but uh somehow you've by now naming a second thing in which this <laughs> happens, you've confirmed its normalcy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's that's a movie. Yeah. It was, uh, I think, are there people in it or is it all puppets? No, it's all puppets. Uh, I fucking incredible think it's from like the 70s. It's like Team America before Team America. Yeah, it's from 1976, and it's the I think the guy who did like Deep Throat made it. And all of the puppets are like absurd looking and upsetting, and it is like the least sexy thing I've ever seen. Like if Spitting Image did porn. Yeah, it's it's a very, like, weird curiosity that, like, I'm like, oh, well, this was, like, an interesting watch, but it is, like, I don't know. If, like, I, I don't want to know the person that ever watched it and was like, yes, now I'm super horny. Because it's <laughs> upsetting. So with any, everyone seated at the club, Versnachi appears on stage to intro the show. And then one of the most unsightly things I've ever seen in my life shows up a life-size puppet slash marionette of Elvis that proceeds to have sex with a woman. She's like (laughs) full on naked engaging with this puppet, which I wrote, I think has an erection. And then I can confirm has an erection. A very very big rhinestone dick on this puppet. (laughs) The gingerweed man is slobbering like a dog. And I think you can see like, a lot of like weird jumpy splotchy shadows behind the Elvis puppet, which I assume is them covering up the puppeteers. It just adds to the sheer lunacy of this scene because what happens next is the Elvis puppet fucks the woman. And I just keep saying to myself, I hope the real life Sarah doesn't get off the phone anytime soon (laughs) and walk out here because what happens next is the Elvis puppet presents this erection that, like you said, looks like a diamond studded microphone that the woman jacks off until he nuts silly string all over the audience. And I just want everyone to just take that image in. Yeah. Perfect cinema. This would be in every movie. We need to uh, save this in the Library of Congress. I agree. Just just Evil Bong 7. None of the rest of them. <laughs> Could you imagine Sizzle Reel for Elvis starring Austin Butler and you just drop that scene in there <laughs> or like that's what they played for like his scene at like for when they read his name at the Academy incredible. Awards <laughs> it's just fucking a puppet of Elvis fucking coming all over the audience and it just like cuts back to him and he's like everyone's like what the fuck was that <laughs> well thankfully that's over and they're on their way to the uh, cheapest shithole hotel uh, it doesn't really seem that way, but apparently it's haunted given the thunder and the lightning strikes. Cheap as fuck haunted, whatever that is. And uh, it 
kind of just looks like a bad version of what we do in the shadows, like the, the set for the house. And uh, Sarah rings the desk bell incessantly until the ghosts of the Heshers show up as the receptionists. I guess one of them died somehow, and they just met up in the afterlife. They own the hotel despite being dead. And uh, now they just look like black metal dorks, too, because they're <laughs> dead. Rabbit asks for the most Heidi room available. And I guess they're themed rooms because he offers the assassin and castle freak rooms, which are other full moon pictures, right? Yeah, this is the hotel that they shot like Ouija's in. Oh, um, okay. I feel like maybe they maybe have shot like something else in at the same time. But you could tell they probably were just like, we have a week in this hotel. Let's do as much as possible. He winds up going to the sexy hell room because, of course, <laughs> one of the ghosts like ghost warps down the hallway to show them. And like this scene is so out of focus, <laughs> made my eyes hurt. He can't accept a tip because he's dead, uh, which Rabbit is very happy of about. He lays down in the bed in the sexy hell room before immediately leaving to find the bar. The girl's room is much nicer. They've got a pool table, leather couch, random paintings. Sarah starts kissing the ginger weed man and then jumps up and down on the couch in joy for some reason. <laughs> EB is watching what I assume was a bit of uh, From Beyond, which I still need to see, but how dare they include a real movie in this? I always forget From Beyond was a full moon. Yeah, I, I, I've been wanting to see that for a while. It's so good. I've really grown to appreciate their, like, that era of when they were making movies with, like, Yuzna and shit like that. Like, we definitely vibe, and, and Sarah, too. Like, we both really like Society and uh, uh, Reanimator, obviously. Reanimator oh, yeah. might be, like, one of one of the best movies I've seen. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's pretty fucking great. Um, or, well, maybe From Beyond wasn't a full moon, but maybe they got the rights to it. It looks like it was a empire investron thing but that maybe like whenever got sold to full moon i feel like there's some crossover between or some connection between empire and and full moon uh full moon did their own sort of ripoffs of reanimator and like from beyond kind of things yeah, I don't know. Full Moon is a fucking baffling company. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, Evie gets Misty to take a bong hit off of her, which does nothing because she has a high tolerance, apparently. Uh, back in the other room, somehow Sarah hasn't started fucking the ginger weed man yet. Ginger dead weed man. Ginger weed man. Ginger weed man. <laughs> yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> uh Rabbit is down at the bar drinking and talking to the ghost. So now this is just a bad version of the shining. The ghost of the Hesher can't serve him because he's a ghost. He phases through everything. Then the rednecks show up, fresh back from the sardine buffet. Ew. And also saw the Elvis puppet. Just want to note the Confederate flag bow tie. <laughs> it checks out. The woman with them also tried to steal their beer money and other such mischief, and I kind of just lost the thread of the conversation here and couldn't tell what the fuck they were on about, but I figured it wouldn't really matter because they kind of just left after. Rabbit bumps into Rendezvous, get it? Like, Rendezvous? Who is a sex worker, and they leave the bar together. The ginger weed man is getting busy with another woman that Sarah, then Sarah, and I mean, like, full-on... 
this just woman is fucking a puppet. Yeah. Uh, Sarah walks in on this, says, holy poop, and the ginger weed man says, it's just room service. This is all quickly forgotten about when Sarah starts doing a striptease. Sarah proceeds to shove a rubber cookie man doll in between her breasts. <laughs> Misty has changed into a more gothy look and leaves with Evie while Rabbit starts to get busy with Rhonda. At this point, I realize that the movie gets insanely transphobic because it turns out that Rhonda is a transgender person and the butt of an incredibly lowbrow joke. Oh, yeah. just Not, It's fucking terrible. Really bad. Like, just every time I think these movies are just weird and depraved, they always manage to sneak in something that's just so phobic. Yeah, they, this, these last four especially are, like, brutal with that. Back in sexy hell, which I wish I could stop saying that, Lucy asks for help from the Dark Lord and seances the ginger dead man back into existence as sibling cookie puppet creatures and orders them to kill Bezelbud, who says something. I, I, I don't know what he said. Rabbit and the girls ask to leave and Evie takes them to the store in Venice Beach where Phoebe, aka Lucy, is running the place. She offers some weed vape to help before Lucifer pussy portals in with the ginger dead man siblings, making Rabbit and the girls run off. They go to Tom Devlin's costume shop, which has a funny dinosaur out front with a bunch of other shitty looking horror movie things. Is this someone I should know? Like, is he a special effects guy or something? Uh, I don't remember. I had, I, I don't, I don't have any context for whoever it is. Anyway, they go on a like haunted house tour of famous horror movie special effects people while Lucy pursues them through it. This movie just becomes kind of a terrible slasher out of nowhere. I mean, kind of, but also like barely. Rabbit and Misty pretend to be some of the masked models to hide. Lucy sniffs them out just as she is taken back to sexy hell via the pussy portal. I'm never going to get tired of saying that. And Sarah and the ginger weed man wander off and the Elvis puppet, along with the ginger dead man siblings, surprise rabbit and Misty. That's how the movie ends. And the way the next movie begins, none of that is there. Yeah, Tom Devlin is a special effects artist, but it's all like shit i've never seen really like it looks like well like he's it looks like he does a bunch of like full moon movies but like any of the other stuff that's outside of full moon is like shit i've got no sort of a reference for it looks like he does like a bunch of just they did like poultry geist for trauma it looks like it's all just shit like that i don't know how he has a museum oh from dusk till bong what the fuck is this (laughs) next year's movie this i just yeah i was trying to figure out if this was a uh, another full moon movie or not <laughs> i do like the idea from dusk till dawn but it's evil bong that's I'm a good sure idea would, i'm sure they would fuck it up somehow oh 100 just like they fucked up evil bong 888 infinity high <laughs> oh man this this is such a fucking letdown for a last movie from fucking page nine of notes for these fucking movies. <laughs> like they spent at least a year that I like I can specifically remember like talking about like this is it, this is the final one, the big climax, and then it's just rabbit running a restaurant for an hour. Yep. 
It's uh, a woefully unremarkable, stupid, bad, not good movie. Yeah, it's bad. It lacks so little, uh, and like I know we haven't really like done like major comments about the movies, which I'm sure we will at the end. But like this one is the joke has been driven so far into the ground. Like it's one, it's uh, it's a root that is so deeply earthed that you can't pull it out. It is just, there's nothing, there's nothing good about this. Like it doesn't serve any purpose. It's not bringing water up to the body of the tree. Uh, it's just a thing in the way. <laughs> well, it's like, if this, if this was just made as just another one where they hadn't been like, this is it. Here's the climax. They're done. Like it would have been like, whatever. It would have just been another evil bong movie where they're just like, here's a fucking set. We're going to spend the entire movie here. But like, I don't know. It's like it would have been like fucking a Marvel movie being like, this is it. This is our big fucking climax for the Avengers. And then it's just like them sitting in a fucking room for an hour. Yep. Just and, them uh, eating shawarma for a fucking hour. It's that post credit scene, but stretched out <laughs> to like an hour and a half long. There's so and little like actual this, chatter. <laughs> this is very much on par with like five, where it's just a cavalcade <laughs> of fucking other full moon characters coming in and like eating at this restaurant. And then a dude from Tiger King. Oh, okay. Thank you for explaining that to me. Yes. Yeah, um, so there's there's a Barbie and Kendra movie. These, these fucking movies are horrendous. Like they did Corona Zombies, which was these by this Barbie and Kendra characters dealing with coronavirus by watching a, a a movie that Full Moon used like some public domain movie that they redubbed all the dialogue. So it's just them watching a movie, and then they did Barbie and Kendra Save the Tiger King, which was the same thing of them watching some public domain movie that's supposed to be the backstory of how Joe Exotic became Joe Exotic. And it's brutal. And then they made one, uh, Barbie and Kendra Storm Area 51, which is 49 minutes and the exact same thing of them watching some bullshit public domain movie with dubbed dialogue about Area 51. <laughs> I just, like, don't have words for this. Yeah. It was, like, they like a bunch of shit they shot during 2020 when, like, because Corona Zombies came out in, like, may of 2020 or some shit so, so they basically got together to shoot like 10 minutes worth of like interstitial scenes and then just yes, took something yeah. pre-existing and we're like we'll just dub it over and make a movie out of it yeah they just dub quote-unquote funny dialogue over it it's they're brutal that sounds when, really bad when corona zombies came out a bunch of people were like oh you have to do this on i hope you suffer and i was like absolutely not not a chance that sounds horrendous. Yeah, they're they're fucking terrible. <laughs> I I just want to point out I was not one of those people. Yeah, like what I, I the the Tiger King one. I if I remember correctly, they like Zoom interview this guy in the movie, the the guy that like makes an appearance in this because I did not watch Tiger King, so I have no real reference for like. I don't even know who this guy is in Tiger King. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I just I don't remember. I watched it, but I don't know who this guy is. Oh, what a fucking bad bunch of movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, this movie, the uh, opening credits scene looks like the beginning of Crash Bandicoot 2 to me. We open in Beverly Hills where Rabbit has opened up Les Lapin 
how restaurant or ho restaurant, which means like the high rabbit, essentially. I cannot fucking believe that even the restaurant is a green screen. I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's parts of it where I'm like, this is a green screen. I can't believe the fucking restaurant is a green screen. Yeah, I believe it. I, I, I can't remember specifically, but I would absolutely believe they just like. I think the thing that had... gives it away is like everything has such deep angles. Like that's not what real life looks like when you set up a camera. That's what, again, that's one of the things that makes me think that this was shot. Like, like I kind of mentioned earlier, like I'm wondering if this was had a different plot before COVID. And then I'm wondering if they were just like, I don't know, just green screen it because it's going to be easier than getting a bunch of people like sitting in this restaurant. Because like, you never really see other than the very end, you never see any of these people in the same shots. Really? Yeah. Like a lot of the times you see people sitting at tables, it's just a close up of just them at the table. You're not getting a lot of restaurant like z- like footage where there's a like periodically you maybe see like the topless girls in the background, but that's about it. Yeah. This person named Thomas Cena Atkins or Tom <laughs> walks in. This is Diana Prince, and uh yeah. she needs a job because she needs a job and uh rabbit is like well he inherit he apparently inherited a small fortune from his nephew who died and uh he's trying not to give into his sexual urges which is proving very difficult with this very busty person sitting next to him but uh he eventually hires tom to be the uh the mater d so to speak the hostess whatever he introduces Tom to the girls he hired as waitresses and the chef, Sal. Sal Manila. He's also yeah, German yeah. <laughs> and possibly a Nazi. Just incredible writing. Sal says he can't work with EB, who's also here. Roughly a fifth of the way in before she shows up. Gotta say, Sonny Carl Davis looking a little rough in this one. Very uh, starting to get a uh, Crypt Keeper vibe. I wonder how old he is at this point. Like, he was IMD, IMDb not telling me. Uh, it's just telling me when he began his career. Is he one of those people that hides his age? I mean, he began his career in the seventies, so just that alone, like, it was, he's had a fifty-year acting career. Yeah, he's clearly been around for a long time, and he's just like rounding out his career with just like some of the most like just depraved perverted performances ever he's staying working he's getting paid so i mean good for him but i don't know what he's doing after these evil bong movies are done now he asks sal to make something new and exciting and asks evie to take it easy on him who does confirm that he is uh at least an aryan brotherhood guy (laughs) (laughs) If you played a drinking game for every time something weird or stupid happened in these movies, you wouldn't make it past the first film we covered in uh, the previous episode. Oh, yeah. There's a scene with Rabbit and the girls where something happens. I don't know why. Uh, in the kitchen, E.B. says to make French onion soup, quiche Lorraine, croque monsieur, and beef bourguignon. Fancy schmancy. But Sal can't find any ingredients, specifically off screen, except for a baguette and cans of beanie weenies. He brings out a plate to the girls, which consists of two bowls of gross-looking hot dog soup. Yeah, it's 
I yeah, I don't even know. It's insane. <laughs> like, the plot to this is so stupid, and like the amount of times I had to hear the term "beanie weenies" was upsetting. So Larnell, Lucy, Sarah, well, kinda Misty again, kinda Ginger Dead Man. Oh no, I guess he's there. Ginger Weed Man. They're all gone. Like all these characters are just basically like not around. Yeah, there's like a post-credit thing where like Ginger Weed Man and Ginger Dead Man show up. And that's it. Yeah. Rabbit panics over what to do at the restaurant and decides to press the giant red emergency button, but manages to stop himself. Man, I wish I had that for like daily (laughs) (laughs) nuisances. Sometimes it feels like every waking moment is an emergency that needs a button to be pressed with to deal with. E.B. says these are going to be the best beans and wieners they've ever had. And I like to think the woman who does the voice of E.B. has never watched any of these movies. She's just recorded the dialogue and got on to her next gig or whatever it is. E.B. proposes adding weed to the beanie weenies to improve them. Good idea. Agreed. Rabbit (laughs) instructs the girls how to be servers and both of them say they have ADD. Tom shows up in basically a Zatanna from DC Comics outfit, uh, minus the top hat. Time comes for the restaurant to open, and Rabbit panics but gets a pep talk from Tom to open up. These movies, like these last two movies, despite being less than an hour long, felt so long. Yeah, like the commercials don't help, but they're just boring. A bunch of girls come in taking selfies and shit, and Tom seats them and says to Rabbit they are Dine and Dashers. Rabbit waits on them because two of the two girl servers are off getting stoned. The menu offers two options, weenie beanies and beanie weenies. Rabbit tells Sal the orders, three weenie beanies or beanie weenies, whatever your preference is. Evie tells Rabbit to turn around while she infuses the dishes with weed. When Rabbit serves the girls, they say they don't actually eat. They just take pictures of food. They do wind up eating it and getting really high. So obviously that means they get really horny and then get naked. Just the fucking laziest writing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hate all of the like current jokes in this movie. Yeah. The rednecks show up again and get seated next to the naked girls. There's also a bartender here not really doing anything but drinking a martini and talking to somebody. One of them looks at the menu through a wine glass and there's some weird comments about cryptocurrency. These people just seem like MAGA zombies to me. They even perform with the utensils before eating. There's perhaps a Black Sabbath reference when the woman says, Sweet Leaf, in relief as she airs slash dusts out her dress. And I'm just like, man, this scene is still going. (laughs) Then a Karen gets seated and does your atypical Karen shit. Oh my God, this is brutal. (laughs) Oh, it was just so, so obvious. They cut to like her husband, the lawyer, who just kind of looks like John Carpenter mixed with David Crosby. I don't know. It, he's, it's, just, it's just a thing they cut to. I don't really get it. Sal burns his hand in the kitchen. Then Sarah and Velicity show up, a.k.a. Barbie and Kendra. I, is that who it is? Barbie yeah, Barbie and Kendra, Kendra. Who haven't been out since the pandemic. And they make a bunch of like pandemic weight jokes and COVID jokes. Like, oh my god, can we hug again? And shit like that. It's, yeah, it's... that just jokes about like being able to high-five and it's it's cinema then like the tiger king guy walks in and i guess i i kind of remember who he is like i 
I forgot that he was missing both of his legs. Yeah, like I said, I don't I did not watch Tiger King. I have general like ideas of like the story of Tiger King. I don't have any reference for any characters outside of like Joe Exotic and Carol Baskins, and it's all just shit from like Twitter when everyone was obsessed with it. So like I had I have no reference for who this guy is other than being some sort of like side character to their bullshit. Oh, this is uh this guy named uh John Ranky. Is that like actually him? Yeah, it's I it's it's actually him. Because he's the oh, one that wow. they, they actively like Zoom interview in the, the Tiger King full moon movie. Okay, so for, okay, I, I do remember this now. So he was a zookeeper at Joe Exotic's place and he didn't lose his legs. Wow, I forgot about this. He didn't lose his legs because he was mauled by a tiger. It was while he was working as a professional bungee jumper during the mid 90s and tested a zip line for the company. We were getting it ready and testing it out and they pulled the and the pulley failed and I fell and I fell 50 feet, broke my back, my hip, shattered my feet. I was paralyzed for a couple of years. Uh seems bad. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I've kind of forgotten about Tiger King, so like this is like kind of just hitting me fresh and like, oh my god. I realized I didn't want no part in a wheelchair, so I learned to walk, and I shouldn't have been walking anyways. I ended up with bone infection. That's how I ultimately lost my feet. And then he, I guess he just wound up working for Joe Exotic through uh, having to need a job. Wow. (laughs) And now he's in these. Yeah, and now he's in this. Okay, interesting. Uh, So yeah, he uh, walks in, and they talk about race car driving or something and uh yeah i was just confused at the time wasn't really paying attention to this there's not much left in this thankfully Uh, i'm very happy for that i think we've wasted enough of your time sal loses his lucky watch and says he can't cook but evie talks him down and he burns his other hand back out in the restaurant the The only only good jokes in these movies is him keep where he keeps touching the high hot stove yep and they're far and few between yeah the Karen lady takes issue with the beanie weenie, so Rabbit throws her drink on her and she storms off. He high-fives Sal, which hurts him, and decides that he has had enough of the Karen after the Karen, and Evie tries to force him to push the emergency button, but he stops. He brings the girls and the Tiger King guy their check, but they use a teleporting device to leave immediately. We go back to the awful transphobic bit with Rendezvous. Let's move on from it. The Hesher ghosts are also back. They can't eat because they're dead. The entire movie, just like the corners of this, like what that whatever it is, the vignette or the the that function where you make like the the corners of a picture like dark to like hide imperfections. They're so high up in this movie. And uh, the farting pussy portal briefly appears to allow somebody's arm to steal a plate of beanie weenies. Rabbit thanks Evie for her help and tries the beanie weenies and gets high. <sighs> Uh, I'm like, I'm running out of steam. (laughs) The Karen has called the cops on Rabbit, but he has them try the food and the cops get high. Rabbit runs off to push the emergency button and the weed blower appears from a secret drawer. Rabbit gets really high and Evie appears as he gets arrested by the cops only for him to allow Larnell to escape from his brain. Like, remember when that was a fucking plot line? (laughs) 
Before Rabbit can be arrested, Evie takes everybody, including the cops, to Weed World, which now has more flying tits with wings, I guess, for everyone to live out their lives. Thank fucking Christ. It also gets kind of meta where Evie says they could also be a figment of her imagination. And as a pair of tits flies towards the camera, we come back to the restaurant where the ginger dead man and the ginger weed man had arrived. And yeah, the movie's over. Thank yeah, you. They had, they had a reservation. <laughs> Final thoughts. Perfect movies. All of them. Broadly speaking, stop making these movies. <laughs> I think the only one I gave anything over a one and a half star was like the second one, King Bong. And everything else is i mean they're all bad but like they at least had like plots in the first three movies i'm always down for a stupid versus movie so like ginger dead man versus evil bong i'm on board but like man everything after those first couple is just brutal yeah i mean it's high five is terrible and offensive and nothing happens 666 is weird, uncomfortable, and just a downright outlandish fever dream. 777 is part porno and all parts depraved and wickedly offensive. And 888 Infinity High is just flat out weird and bad because it's bad. It just fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's like, as much as these movies aren't good, it's a bummer that like 8 is as what it is. Because like, I don't know. Like there had, there, like I in my mind, I have to believe there was a better idea to end these movies than what it was. It's baffling to me that they leave off seven with this sort of like climax where they were getting chased and like you know all of this shit with like sexy hell and all whatever's going on in that movie, and then they're just like, oh no, Rabbit has a restaurant, I guess. Yeah, don't fucking watch these movies. I, I wouldn't recommend them to anybody. They're, count, they're all count, counterpoint watch all of them <laughs> yeah watch them let them let us know what you think like okay so was the last time we talked was it was the last time we talked about the gore documentary probably i think so i just wish we were doing that again <laughs> <laughs> no, we just gotta do ginger we could do ginger ginger weed man at some point and ouija's ouija's <laughs> is like not i mean it's a full moon movie but it's i I'm a, from what I remember, not anywhere near as bad as these. Maybe those at least be like stupid bad, but yeah. Because so. like from my my memory, it's literally just like some like weird weed spirits escape from a Ouija board, and they have to fucking like get them back in by like midnight to like not be stuck or some shit like that. Something stupid. And there's like actual plot to it, as opposed to just like I don't know. Maybe they're just in a weed store making puns. <laughs> Have you watched anything good lately? <laughs> uh, I'll let you I, go first since you're the guest. I spent, I don't know, a week and a half watching all of the El Santo movies. Nice. I mean, this episode obviously is uh, getting recorded way in advance, but I saw you were watching those and that uh, kind of warmed a little bit of my heart because my dad watched a lot of those growing up and I haven't really spent any time with them, but I, I know that they're just like ridiculous and insane, but just a ton of fun. Yeah. They're like, I, I think the lowest I rated any of them was 2.5, which is pretty good for a 50 something movie fucking franchise. <laughs> Starring a wrestler. Yeah. And it's like, they're all like very, very stupid plots that kind of rock. Like it's just, you know, 
Santo fucking versus a mummy or a vampire or whatever. But there's like ones where he's just beating the shit out of Nazis. They did a Bermuda Triangle movie, which rocks. Like they did these like a couple of them where they're like James Bond ripoffs, but it's just like a luchador dude. So like there'll be a scene where they're like talking spy shit and it's just a dude in a luchador mask and a fucking like sweater in it. Like everyone's just like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> so that's like honestly mostly what I've watched for the last like <clears throat> little bit. I've, you know, I think there were 54 of them counting two documentaries I watched and that's kind of about it. A lot of like just bullshit for I hope you suffer, unfortunately. I just did an episode pretty recently with Girl That's Scary. This is happening uh, not that long after that. So I haven't watched as much, but I have been able to uh, uh, sneak in a bunch of other movies besides this Evil Bong bullshit. Uh, And I uh, watched Death Race 2000 for the first time, which I really liked. Have you ever heard of Cattlebag? No, I don't think so. So it's this movie of really weird shorts that was made by Brandon DiCamillo from the Jackass and Viva La Bam crew. It's kind of like the halfway point between Jackass and like Idiot Box or or even like I Think You Should Leave because it's all like sketches, but it's all just like insanely low budget. Clearly like filmed with like a camcorder, like the best available to like general public camera equipment you could get cardboard sets with like aluminum foil like extremely intentional like low budget sketches and sets and stuff like that with like just probably your friends or your whatever people playing multiple roles and i've had this dvd since i bought it from him at the new york comic-con in 2010 so i've had it for 13 years and i finally (laughs) fucking watched it and some of it's great, like I thought was legitimately hilarious. And other parts, I was like, "That's uh, that has not aged well." That is pretty. Yeah, funny. I feel like a lot of that sort of, especially like you, like I remember being like way into like the CKY stuff, the videos like yeah. back in the day, and then you watch them now, and you're just like, "Oh boy." <laughs> yeah, I rewatched Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. Which Hell yeah! Fucking you know rules. Uh, you know that movie goes hard because it has fucking monster poop in it. <laughs> I watched Censor, which I thought was really fucking good. Uh, I never got around to that. I really liked it. Uh, New Jack City, that movie fucking rocks. Have you seen that? Yeah, that movie's so good. <laughs> One of the greatest lines ever. I want to shoot you so bad my dick's hard. <laughs> Incredible. We also watched, uh, rewatched Fargo because we've been watching the show. And I needed to watch something good <laughs> after these movies. And uh, yeah, Fargo's, it's so good. Just like, yeah, I rewatched that like sometime last month. It holds up. Like just such a good tale of one thing going wrong and the ripple effects of just everything going south and just weird shit happening in rural America. And it actually kind of brought upon it. We were watching it and the credits, you know, we're watching through the credits. And I was like, why did the prince love symbol just show up and that led to the discovery of this like weird bit of fargo uh fargo culture cult like cult info that i didn't know that like they dropped that in because apparently prince also being from minnesota like the cohen's wanted apparently to be in the movie and they offered him this role of playing a body out 
in uh, uh, like a dead body in the movie known as the victim in the field. It, it didn't actually wind up happening because he couldn't like fit it into his schedule. And it was played by one of the storyboard artists named J. Todd Anderson. But they decided to just throw in the Prince love symbol because that's what he was going by at the time in there just to sort of like have fun with it. And like that, th- that's such like a, a weird filmmaker thing that the Coen brothers do that I don't think a lot of other people do where they just have like weird fun with the movies. Well, yeah, they also like tend to seems like they cast people that like would seems like they would be fun to work with as opposed to necessarily like obviously they're all like they cast good actors, but it seems like they also cast people that they're like, I don't know, like this person seems like they'd be extremely fun to work with and continue to work with them. But yeah, just like a just a really interesting bit of uh, filmmaking history that I just like did not know about. I thought that was like really interesting. I watched The Headhunter, the Jordan Downey movie. Um, oh, how is Thanksgiving. that? I fucking really liked it. I mean, it did not need to be any longer than it was, which was about 70 minutes. And I was really impressed with um, what he did with that movie because it really just feels like the Elder Scrolls Skyrim come to life. Like the, the makeup is really good. He does a lot of uh, stuff where there's a lot of like suggesting at, so you can tell he's working with a budget, but like it really looks like a, it's definitely a fully realized movie. And it's basically about a guy that's trying to like, he's just a headhunter that goes after monsters. And like, I don't want to like really spoil it because like it's mostly a movie that plays out the story through like action and not dialogue, which is one of its strengths, I think. Because I think if it was, you know, like written, it would probably be really corny, but. I really liked it. I was really impressed with what he did. It felt like a definitely like a, a step up from Thanks Killing, but like kind of he learned how to make a movie with Thanks Killing and also with Thanks Killing Three, which is an, a really fucking weird movie, but so much better than the Evil Bond movies. Oh, right, Thanks Killing Three rocks. It's I like makes, love that movie. It makes no sense. It is so baffling and like weird and fun. I was I was curious what it was like like you know what it would be like with him making like a quote unquote real movie. Yeah, so I've I've I meant to get around to it at one point whenever it first came to Shutter, and I just like never did. It's on Vudu right now, so you can watch it for free. And uh, you know, but you know, it's it definitely is a. I think its its strength is knowing that it doesn't need to stray far from what the plot is, and he does like a lot of good stuff with with a little like it i would i really really liked it uh i watched rocky five which was not good because i've been watching all the rocky movies for another podcast and that movie is not good it is it's just not good i've seen one rocky movie ever so and uh i also uh because uh i know you're doing a bonus episode uh in april for a bunch of slasher movies so i finally and i and i am trying to watch all the major uh slasher films like that's sort of a goal for me for this year so i watched the texas chainsaw massacre too oh it's perfect so i need to stress that i fucking love the first movie like it's it's just a movie that i i watched and it just it had such a a profoundly unsettling impact on me a sequel to that movie like i i don't know how i would feel about it but i also am like how do you kind of even make a sequel to that movie that being said i did like it 
like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is kind of like the halfway between the first movie and Eaten Alive, which I also really, I don't know how you feel about Eaten Alive, but I really like Eaten Alive. Yeah, I like um, Eaten Alive. It's just such an odd film. And like, I don't, again, I don't know really how you would make a sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but like, it looks incredible. The gore is great. Like, there's a lot of really good acting in it. I like the main girl in it. So I I thought as like, compared to like what, what was to follow in some of these other slasher franchises, like I had a good time watching it. I thought it was a very entertaining film. So like for me, like the first one, obviously like a, a masterpiece of the genre and whatnot. Two is infinitely more watchable to me. And I think like two, and I know it's a hot take. I think two is the better movie. Well, it's more of a movie, I guess. Um, yeah, like, the first one is one of those things where it's like, I get it. I get why it's as renowned as it is. And it's like, you know, like, I think the difference between the two, uh, for me, is like a half-star difference on, like, a rating, you know? Like, I love the first one, but, like, two is, like, fun. There's, like, the there's actual, like, blood in it. Because, like, a lot of people don't seem to realize, like, that first one's, like, not gory there's not really anything in it. it's all like implied like it's it's more of a dirty film than it yeah. is a bloody film but like i've been watching like vinegar syndrome just released uh like this fancy like 4k of part two like towards the end of last year i think and i've been digging into the bonus features on it because there's like two discs and it's like all these bonus features of like interviews with people actual behind the scenes documentaries and shit and it's like kind of a really fascinating story where like toby hooper didn't want to do it but canon films offered him this like big three movie deal but the third movie had to be a sequel to texas chainsaw massacre and i like the idea that he was like all right well if i'm doing it like i'm making it a black comedy i'm not remaking or like there's you know like i can't do a sequel in that same tone to that movie. Like it just would not work. That movie is a once in a lifetime thing that happened. And so he went like the complete opposite fucking spectrum and like the, the Sawyer compound or whatever into that whole place that she's running around in being chased and shit is a place that they built. Uh, it's, that it is. It's an incredible set. It's, like I, uh, I yeah, it's crazy it. how like, much detail is in that set. Yeah, and I think that's, like, really what benefits it as a movie experience that, like, yeah, it's, it's exactly, it, it sounds like I was kind of correct, but, like, it's, like, how do you make a sequel to the original one? Like, you can't. You have to, like, kind of, you have to kind of, like, move these characters into a weirder direction, and it is, yeah. like, this, it's such a strange group of characters to adapt into, like, a big budget sequel, but... You know, you do benefit from uh, who's the guy that plays Chop Top. Like, he's so uh, good. Bill, Bill Mosley. Mo yeah, he's so good in this movie. Yeah, he's great. Arguably, like, he steals the show, in my opinion. Like, he's so good for playing a character that is, like, so over the top. And, like, they do that thing where, like, the scene goes on and on and on. And you're like, this is uncomfortable like these people are so fucking weird and they're just pouring in all they can into these unhinged performances i did like leatherface a bit more in the first movie but like he's just so 
but he you know he looks pretty cool and he gets fucking annihilated i i like the guy's performance in two because it is very it's like it's more of like a performance like gunner hansen is just essentially being fucking creepy right i did feel bad that he got kind of like screwed out of coming back for like a money reason yeah, but I also don't know if he could have, like, done the performance needed for Leatherface in part two. No, it's more of a, like, uh, performed he, lunatic. Like, there's, like, a whole thing on the Blu-ray about, like, I think a guy's name's Bill Johnson that plays Leatherface in part two. And it's just, like, they specifically cast somebody with, like, emotive eye features or whatever. And that it's, like, it's, like, he's a non-vocal character and, like, the way he acts in that movie where it's just eyes and like sort of mouth where like you actually kind of do feel for this leather face a little bit. And I don't know. It's great. It's, it's, it's my favorite of the whole franchise. Like I back the first four Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, one, two, three and next generation. And everything after that is like, I could, I could deal without, but like two's hands down my favorite. Maybe my favorite, like, quote-unquote slasher movie of all time. Well, I mean, right now, I would rank it up, like, at least higher than, like, a lot of the Friday the 13th and probably most of the Halloween franchise. It's it's very funny, because you hear all the people talk about when it came out, they were, like, baffled and didn't like it, and it became this cult classic, and they, like... Toby Hooper's like, did you not see the advertisements where all of the characters are in, like, the Breakfast Club poses? Like... I don't know what you expect, like, why you thought this movie was going to be this, like, brutal, dark, gritty thing when, like, the only advertisement for it was, like, Leatherface and Chop Top and fucking the, the fucking dad character and someone else all in, like, the, the, the Breakfast Club posters, like, <laughs> which is incredible advertising. Yeah, I, I think, and I don't know, maybe you might disagree with me, I think the only thing I didn't really like about it was Dennis Hopper, which I'm like, man, I wish I liked this a lot more than, I just don't think he's that good at it. I, I like his performance, like he, there's a whole thing that's sort of like an unspoken thing, or maybe they hint at, I, I kind of forget if they do or not, that like, he stretches like illegitimate dad, and so there's like this whole sort of like, pathos playing out between them that like i think was like there's like the whole thing in one of the documentaries they talk about like so there was a one week off period between toby hooper wrapping invaders from mars and starting this because he went over his shooting schedule on invaders from mars so he was editing invaders from mars as he was filming this like texas chainsaw part two and there was a bunch of shit where Canon Canon had already sold theaters a date that Texas Chainsaw 2 would be in theaters. And he was like dangerously close to not making that date, which would have cost millions of dollars to Canon and, you know, essentially would have fucked Toby Hooper probably out of whatever money he made from it. And so, like, I guess Bill Mosley maybe talks about this story where he's just on set and like execs from canon came in they're like oh so uh how's shooting going guys are over budget and he's just like looking at a script and the guys from canon just rip pages out of the script they're like all right you're on budget now <laughs> so like it, it sounds like a movie that had like a very sort of troubling shoot i can't imagine like shooting in that fucking bunker and shit in texas in august or whatever like it, the, the fact that that movie is at all 
watchable, let alone as good as it is, as like a minor miracle. But yeah, I, I, I did overall like it. Like I did think it was, I did think it was like pretty good. And then uh, I finished The Last of Us, which like overall I liked it. Uh, I think it needed some more mushroom people. Finished the second season of Fargo, which overall I really liked that. Like pretty incredible shit. Uh, I thought it was a lot better than the first season. I started watching uh, the official Toho Godzilla channel on YouTube has been uploading Godzilla Island, which is an old TV show like that are about three, the episodes are about three minutes long and it's literally made with fucking toys and it's incredible. It's so fucking funny. Oh man, that sounds great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. And I started watching the X-Files again because I got to finish it. And I also started watching, uh, I watched two episodes today before we recorded of uh, Netflix put out a documentary series about Waco called Waco American Apocalypse I think the Waco thing is very interesting just in terms of how much of a like fucking absolute failure it was uh, of resolving a situation. I don't know. They do this thing where like, for some reason they put a lot of the like backstory for David Koresh in the second episode. And I'm just like, why did you do that? Like they start this to show off. I'm like, assuming that most people know who David Koresh is. And like, I, I need some context here, people. Like, I need to know some more about it. Like, I'm not excusing him. Dude was obviously fucking horrible. But, like, I think they really should have led in with explaining, like, who this guy was. And also, like, I want to know why this actually, like, went to shit. Like, were they scouting this guy for a long time? Like, I don't know. I'll have to, like, you know, obviously I'll have to finish it to, like, know. But, like, it seems like the FBI and the ATF had so little knowledge of who the fuck he even was. And then just, ugh, yeah. It's a little bit... It's a little bit difficult because a lot of it is told from the perspective of law enforcement. And, you know, obviously, (laughs) you know, they have their ways of of perceiving things. But thankfully, by the second episode, they do begin to get into like the absolute breakdowns of communication between the couple different like departments that were handling it. And like, I don't know, it's it's an it's such an interesting story. And this gives you a lot of like hyper focus on it. And like you don't, you know, stuff that like hasn't been seen before and it's pretty interesting and obviously it's nerve-wracking and disturbing and unsettling but i i think they could have done a little bit more with like providing some context of like why david koresh was so fucked up and awful and like maybe what was building to this a little bit more like why was there such a like massive breakdown of communication as opposed to just like oh i guess we're just dealing with this in real time i don't know it's really weird like it just seems like no one knew who the fuck this guy was yeah checks out so but still like pretty interesting and you know upsetting and obviously like why even as bad as like these fucking cult people are like obviously this situation could have been handled a lot better by law enforcement you know for sure it's good i guess it's good to know like why this happened and not to make unchecked claims like a certain fucking lunatic also from texas (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, uh, I also just uh, some music recs, checked out this band Majesties. They have an album out called Vast Reaches of Unclaimed. It's like really good melodic death metal, maybe a little like black and roll in there. And the new um, friend of mine turned me on to the band Algiers and their new album Shook is really good. It's like very moody Afrobeat crossed with post-punk. I really like their first album too. You know, if you like Zealand Ardor, or Backwash, who makes an appearance on this album. I think you'd probably enjoy that. And 
shout outs. Uh, I'm going to shout out uh, 88 Films because I made a purchase there. They had this movie, The Seventh Curse, on a nice release. So I picked up that along with a movie I'm going to whisper. So Sarah doesn't hear me. Uh, and oh, Street Trash. The, the best movie ever made. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to getting those. And also uh, Southern Lord put out a pretty sick release of uh, Thor's Hammer on vinyl, which is really awesome. And I listened to that. So so that's what I've been enjoying. And I don't know. Is there anything you want to shout out, Nathan? Uh, I'm trying to think of what I've been listening to lately. Yeah, there's a album that came out actually yesterday when we were recording this or i guess friday i don't know what day it is anymore <laughs> uh a band called basil's kite uh released an album called shooting czars t-s-a-r-s that's just this weird like if mr bungle was the dillinger escape plan i guess would be the easiest way to say it i don't know they're very like like just math core but very weird math core it's really good i guess that's where we'll like wrap this up and uh i'm just i don't know i'm i'm just upset that like there's not like better <laughs> like couldn't talk about like better drug movies than this i mean there probably are but we made the mistake of starting two years ago we're like i oh, will do some evil bong movies and then it's just like fuck there's eight of them because there's i've been trying to see if like I, i'm gonna like look a little bit more in depth sometime this week to see about trying to do a 420 episode with you and i if you suffer if like i can make it work with my move schedule but uh yeah there's there's not not a lot of great weed specific horror movies you should do that movie star leave yeah there's one i've been like i have had in my watch list forever called 420 massacre that's like i believe people being stuck in like dinosaur times but like somehow weed is in it i don't know that sounds yeah. awesome which means it's not going to be awesome oh no i'm sure it's terrible <laughs> oh maybe there aren't dinosaurs in this movie <laughs> maybe i'm i might be like conflating two movies together that have sort of like a the same poster you're conflating uh evil bomb with 65 yes that movie uh, very stupid yeah i remember kit katie being like i want to see this and then people started reviewing it i saw and i was like oh everybody's trashing this so i'm assuming it's gonna be bad i don't know if i'll see that maybe i'll watch it if it goes on streaming but probably yeah that's a most new movies i'm like i'll get to it when it's free that'll probably do it for this this 420 edition of movies from green hell uh i hope you were able to stay with us and tolerate talking about some real fucking shitty movies um, I don't think we'll be revisiting the Evil Bomb franchise anytime soon. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll watch some of these other Full Moon Weed movies, but maybe we'll do something else next year for 420. Who fucking knows? I realize that I am very bad at doing like social media for this. So uh, for anybody out there listening, uh, if you want to follow this, you could follow Diary of Doom on Instagram and it's on Facebook. You can send me an email at diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what uh, heavy metal movies or weed movies we should be uh, reviewing for the podcast. Uh, we'll probably do anything that falls under those that kind of nomenclature. And um, yeah, that, that's about it. Uh, Nathan, where can the good people find you uh, out there? You can listen to I'd Be Suffer pretty much anywhere. 
this podcast. We're on Instagram, but I hope you suffer podcasts. Uh, we have Patreon, patreon.com. I hope you suffer. Maybe podcast at the end of it. I don't remember. You can find me on Instagram at Gordon Scramsey. Don't look me up on Twitter. I'm currently on a five day suspension. <laughs> You're always on a five day suspension. Yeah, well, some dipshit was representative was tweeting about how he was going to make all libraries ran by churches, and I told him to fall in a manhole cover. So. That's not even that bad. I know. Uh, literally, like, the second I hit tweet, it suspended me. So, Twitter's a hellscape. Don't be on Twitter. It's bad. Note that I left that out. I, <laughs> I don't I don't go on there. I saw that. I'm, I'm literally still on it because I have this, like, years-long going, like, group DM on there that nobody wants to move until absolutely necessary. So, that's about the only reason I'm even still on there. It's just going down by the day, and it's just going to become this unusable fucking. Yeah, it's it's shit, one of those it's one of those things where like half of me really wants to delete my account, but the other half is just like I kind of want to see how this is going to fucking burn down to the ground as well. So, well, I think the dissolution of Twitter is going to be a lot more interesting than like the dissolution of like Facebook, which was yeah. just like. Yeah, this is just sort of like existing everywhere and everyone like knows it's bad and like the bad shit is obvious, but like the dissolution of Twitter and like this weird like gung-ho, like we need this, it represents us and it's it, it defines everybody and how it's just like turning into an unusable fucking broken platform is just, I don't know, the way it's playing out in real time is fucking incredible. Yeah, it's strange, strange times we're in. <laughs> it, it sure is, but uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of Movies from Green Hell. And uh, we'll see you next month with uh, most certainly a better movie. I I promise you it will be.